If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Recovery Sort Of is a podcast where we discuss recovery topics from the perspective of people living in long-term recovery. This podcast does not intend to represent the views of any particular group, organization, or fellowship. The attitudes expressed are solely the opinion of its contributors. Be advised, there may be strong language or topics of an adult nature. Welcome back. It's Recovery Sort Of. I'm Jason, a guy who has tried to reduce his own harm. And I'm Billy. I'm a person in long-term recovery. And we're here with Jara. Hi. Hi, Jara. I'm Jara. I am Cecil County Harm Reduction Supervisor. Yay. Yay. I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to talk about harm reduction today because that was a requested topic by people who listen. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know exactly where we're going if we're going to talk about local harm reduction or harm reduction as a whole, but it'll be an interesting conversation. I mean, I, I think harm reduction is something that many of us who who aren't completely informed on harm reduction don't really get. I, I know as a guy in recovery, I feel like I was against harm reduction methods for a long time. Just I was like, no, you got to be 100% clean. And if you can't do that, then fuck it. It's enabling. <laughs> yeah. You're just helping people die. Yeah. That's it. So we want to help other people understand that that is not what harm reduction is about. And we're going to let Jara talk about herself for yeah. now. Oh, and can I just say real quick? So we do plan in the future to have someone on to talk about medicated assisted treatment and go into that whole realm of harm reduction. Uh, we may touch on that today, but that isn't the basis of what this episode was going to be about. Uh, but we do plan to have a future episode specifically about medicated assisted treatment. Matt. So, yeah. We're going to talk about Matt. Yeah. So anyway, sorry to interrupt you, Jarrah. Go ahead. <laughs> Again, I'm Jara. I am a person in long-term recovery. And um, I'm also Cecil County Voices of Hope Harm Reduction Supervisor here at Voices of Hope. Um, so I just want to talk about what harm reduction is um, to me and how it affected my life. So I had the same views as Jason here. It made no sense to me. I'm from New Jersey and it, there wasn't a big harm reduction community there when I was using. And um, I came to Maryland and there was harm reduction here, which looked like homeless outreaches, people, other people in long term recovery, whatever that looks like were coming out to like homeless camps and giving Narcan and you could get a syringe card um, and they would give you clean use things and they would, I just knew people in long-term recovery. So I um, was homeless here in Elkton and uh, I, my first interaction with harm reduction was homeless outreach. Um, I was pregnant and uh 
had used Narcan a bunch of times. So they, they stocked me up on Narcan. Then it was IM Narcan. So it wasn't like the easy nose spray stuff that it is now. Um, and I also like in that moment when I came from New Jersey had active infections. So I had already contracted hepatitis C, um, from sharing syringes. I have a, um, syringe tip stuck in my neck mm -hmm. still from reusing needles over and over again, um, which caused, you know, I didn't want to go to the hospital because I was going to be judged there and all those things. Um, I think getting new syringes from people who talked to me like I was human um, made a difference and lessened my chance of dying. I do know like a random, it's not so random, um, a random statistic <laughs> that people who um, utilize harm reduction services, needle exchange, Narcan services, um, other outreach services um, are five times more likely to seek treatment. And I was, I knew where to, I knew where I could go when I was ready. And uh, that's what I did. And uh, the Narcan saved my friends' lives. Um, I thankfully had never been Narcan at that point. Um, however, I did save a couple lives with, with the Narcan and um, now I am also cured of hepatitis C, which um, harm reduction linked me up with um, providers to treat that. While you were still using, they linked you up with that? No. Okay. However, when I was using, you had to have a minimum of um, two years clean in order to be wow. linked up. Wow. Right? Now you do not. There is no requirement for um, getting the cure. And people don't really know that because the people who are in active addiction <laughs> are still in active addiction and think there's a requirement for that. Right. Yeah. That's crazy. Like, well, you know, before we go saving your life, let's, why don't you prove to us that you're actually worth saving? Right. We got to see yeah. if you're worth it. Yeah. We're going to. So I want to go back and just touch real quick. Uh, you said, I am Narcan, which is intramuscular, I believe. That's where you inject it instead of the nasal spray. Yes. It's not just like a, a catchy thing like MR ducks. Like, I am, Nar <laughs> I am Narcan. Yeah. Yeah, you have to draw it up in a syringe. It comes, you have to uncap it. It takes time to actually do. And most people don't know there is a specific, like you have to push the air out and um, and then you just push it into them in their muscle, anywhere in their muscle, their leg, their butt, their arm. I have just now decided that we need a Narcan grenade. Just, I, I mean, I mean, people would, like, who doesn't want to use a grenade, right? Like, I feel like everybody in the world would go for Narcan if they were like, I can just, like, pull the pin and toss the grenade in the room and it saves somebody's life. That would be awesome. Oh, but then that the other people cool. in their room would be pissed. <laughs> so mad. Nobody else the is in the, the room. people get Narcan are pissed, let alone the guy who <laughs> yeah. was just innocently grenaded. <laughs> yeah. Um. So just about harm reduction. So it is kind of a general term. It, it, I mean, it does sort of mean, as you talked about before, it's kind of like just reducing the risks of things. Um, in drug addiction, it's taken on a different, uh, I don't know, which idea or, or it gets a lot of uh, conversation based on stigma and things like that. But we've used this concept of harm reduction in 
you know, alcohol consumption for years. They didn't specifically label it harm reduction, but the idea that you don't drink alone, that you, you know, when you go out, you have a designated driver, that you make sure you have so many drinks within a certain amount of time, that you eat, you know, food and drink water during your drinking. You know, these were all ideas that were considered just general health safety things to keep yourself from, you know, alcohol overdose or blacking out or whatever. And that seems perfectly acceptable. Like we almost everyone accepts that as just good ideas, safe practices. You know, it's helpful for the community to know this information. But when it came to harm reduction around drug use, that took on a whole different, you know, oh, my God, we're enabling people, we're allowing them to use, we're we're supporting drug use. And it got lost that there are a lot of benefits, you know, obviously to the individuals. I mean, you're, as you said, we're reducing different, you know, diseases in the community, different health risks and things like that. Um but what are so from your experience, like what are some of the benefits for the individual who's involved in like a harm reduction program? So for me as like an active user. Either or or what you see now. I mean, if it wasn't specifically I mean, for you, the, you work with enough people, you could see different results for that. Yeah, as well. it's kind of the um I mean it's the same, if not better, now. Um when I was using, and something you said just made me think of um, the whole spiel that you just said about alcohol, the tips for harm reduction, IV um, injection, drug addict users, is like, don't use alone. Um, leave Narcan out, not in your purse. Um, go slow, do test shots, like all these general things. Um, and we're going to use anyway, and I say we as like, I am... The drug addicts, <laughs> um, we're going to use anyway. And I, you know, myself have proven that when I picked up syringes off the ground and used them. Um, so being able to not spread the disease, it's a little bit more also. So when you get into um, like addiction and, and stuff, you get into things like sex work and stuff like that. And that becomes a really um, odd topic. Um, like, we we also give like condoms and dental dams and all those things. Um, I don't know what I'm allowed to share, but I was a sex worker and um, not being safe. Um, I ended up with gonorrhea and who knows how many husbands I gave that to. Seriously. Wow. Like, and, right. and that I can't imagine like, oh, honey, right. <laughs> you know, like what is happening right now? <laughs> Um, so, you know, we work with the sex workers here in Cecil County and like, I just share my story with them and I'm able to convince them, you know, to take safe sex use. Yeah. And so as a person in long-term recovery, as, as Jason said, I think historically up until probably five, maybe 10 years ago, my attitude towards any kind of harm reduction is, you know, it's enabling, you know, we shouldn't be doing it. People need their consequences to hit their bottoms. You know, it's similar shit that we think all the time. But the way that sort of progress through at least Cecil County and Voices of Hope kind of being involved in the early parts of that was initially it was just Narcan and some safe sex supplies and mm -hmm. maybe alcohol wipes and some general health things that were needed in some of these homeless encampments. Mm -hmm. um, and it was 
like the idea was, look, people are living this way. We just need to be good, you know, human beings to other people. We want them to be healthy and safe. Whatever choices they make, they should have some general uh, health safety things provided for them. So it was through that community outreach. And then slowly that grew. Um, one, having that slow approach helped present it to the whatever you want to call it, political community a little bit easier because they weren't talking about uh, needle exchanges yet or, <laughs> yeah. or you know, did the drug testing yet. Like they weren't talking about those things yet, although they sort of were planned for down the line, but it was an easy introduction to Narcan, you know, health supplies, safe sex things, all things that would help reduce transmission of diseases in the community and, and help people that are in need. Um and then it slowly changed to being more uh, controversial topics like, you know, needle exchange and things like that. Um, I know I just mentioned a few, but what generally are the the harm reduction methods that we're using now, at least here in Cecil County? Yeah, so here in Cecil County, um, at Voices of Hope is where I'm the harm reduction supervisor. Um, so we give bags of syringes that have 10 syringes so 10 use safe use things in them and um we only give up to 20 at a time so we're not giving them massive amounts that are just all over the place um we want that peer encounter with them which is what makes them um more likely to come back um i think i know factually that our return rate so the used syringes we do collect them we give them safe containers to um put them in i know from coming from camden new jersey that was not the case out there they were not in containers they were all over the streets and um so encouraging people to give back the used supplies and we collect over a hundred percent of what we give out wow. yeah that's pretty amazing and I think that's one of the things that is beneficial to, again, is beneficial to the community. I mean, unfortunately, you know, I've coached Little League here in Cecil County and you'll be down at the fields and there have been times where there have been syringes in the, you know, dugouts and things like that because that's a, I guess, sheltered environment where people will go to use. And having programs that will encourage people to return those things, again, is just beneficial to the community as a whole besides just the using person. We also, like, go and collect those. So, like, I can send a team out um, known places where people use, you know, hey, can you just go double check? Um, sometimes we'll, maybe not in a ball field, but in the homeless communities, we'll leave Narcan just sitting on a post um things like that yeah <laughs> why <laughs> never mind i was gonna ask why we're not leaving the ball fields but i yeah <laughs> who's using dental dams <laughs> i'm sorry but i'm that's not just... i'm not 100 percent sure they're not popular and everybody thinks they need a magnum <laughs> that's literally the request the highest request is oh like, my god do you have any magnums <laughs> like no i mean you know we're not going to get into whether I'm big or small, but it was never smaller than when I was high. I'll say that. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, that definitely <laughs> fucked up my blood flow or whatever. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was thinking, oddly enough, I I've probably been against 
these harm reduction methods in my recovery for drug use, I don't think I would have ever been against condoms. So I would have been like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, give out all the condoms. Yeah, I mean, health department's been doing that forever. Yeah, who yeah. gives a fuck? Things yeah. with condoms in the bathroom just for people to take them. <laughs> yeah. But if you tell people you're giving them out to sex workers, they want to have a fucking panic attack. <laughs> Why is sex work illegal? It just doesn't make any sense to me. I don't get it. Um, you know, you were talking about uh, giving the husband's gonorrhea to go back to that a little <laughs> yes. bit. I was thinking like, well, what are people's arguments against this? Because, yeah, you know, we talk about harm reduction as we. why would we go out of our way to help those people, you know, as if addicts are some other type of people. Um, but I, I think the reasons we do it is because we, we differ them. They're, they're different than us. They do those things. But when yeah. we say, well, harm reduction prevents community spread of diseases as well. It's not just for that community. It's for the entire community at large. But I feel like, you know, I was just trying to picture this like older Christian wife that might be against this. I don't know why that came to mind is who would hate this idea. But, they, you know, these ideas of like, well, my husband's not going to shoot drugs and he's not going to go, you know, mess with a prostitute. So why do we need to prevent like that's not going to spread in my community. And I, I mean, yeah, we can just say, well, you're being naive, miss. Um but how can we convince people like that who don't see the benefit to really buy in? It's it's hard to convince the people like that, but it does affect the whole community. Um, the first thing that came to mind when you were when you were speaking was um, I don't think people hate the harm reduction tactics. I think people um, dislike us Ooh. when we're in active addiction. Um, it's kind of painful. To we're we're looked at as different. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe not worth saving. Um, I know a lot of people, um, disagree with Narcan as an active user. When I was an active user, I disagreed with Narcan. Please don't Narcan me. It will make wow. you sick. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and I think we're not in, in that active addiction. We're not begging to live. Like it's not, we're at a dark place in our life, mm -hmm. but, um, Every it's so big. I'm going to talk about Cecil County. It's so big and popular um, out here that it, everyone knows someone. And if you don't, you just don't know. But they're doing it. Um, and, and it's not everybody doing it, but we're all affected by it um, as a whole. I think we've met some um, providers like doctors and stuff and their like kids were overdosing and, you know, they thanked us um, coming out and getting the syringes off the streets um, and just being able to be safe. Like there people get stuck on that. They just shouldn't be doing it. They just shouldn't be doing it. No shit. Mm -hmm. Like we we know, like if it was as simple as like stop getting high. I mean, we'd, we'd all just be okay. <laughs> right. Well, and I have noticed, too, you know, being in this community a long time and talking to a lot of families, addicts and non-addicts, like, what you start to find out when you dig into some people that are really against a lot of this stuff is that they have a grandson, a nephew, a family member who either overdosed or is doing drugs and stealing from the family. And so they've had this built-in resentment that has come out of their own trauma that now they're just angry and bitter and resentful that this loved one of theirs is caught up into this addiction thing. And so they want someone or something to blame, you know, and, and they just want him to stop. You know what I mean? They just want him to stop and go back to being little Joey that he was when he was 10, you know, and stop stealing the goddamn Christmas money, you know? Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, totally. Stop pawning your Christmas presents. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, this is a terrible idea, obviously. I, I will tell you that beforehand. But just going back to this grenade idea of Narcan, right? <laughs> if we could combine the worlds uh, of what people like that might be against Narcan or, or harm reduction and what's needed... What if we had, you know how they have like the tranquilizer darts? What if we had guns loaded with like Narcan darts and handed them out to everybody? <laughs> like, I feel like everybody would be like, yeah, this right. is great. <laughs> Just ride through the community blasting people, like yeah. saving lives. <laughs> right. I don't know. So for the community outreach over here at uh, Harm Reduction of Voices of Hope, like what, what are the normal encounters? Like, do people come to you? Do you guys go to them? Is it both? Like, what? how do you encounter people that want to get involved in the program? So all of the things we um, that you just mentioned and so much more. So we go into the community. We have a team of people, harm reduction people that go to the homeless encampments. Like, if we hear or, um, you know, we just see homeless encampments, we'll go back there and um, voices it wasn't always known but we are now usually with like the larger um using population that we have services that can help them um we do that we do we go to the day centers and stuff like that um we also do outreach walks so like walks that are in the communities um that can't get to us the communities um, when I was using, I didn't drive. I wasn't going to seek, you know, um, help when I wasn't ready. And uh, so we do those kind of outreaches. We also have a fixed site so people can walk in um, seven days a week and get syringes. A lot of people come to us for Narcan. It's like so we it's free. It's we will throw it to you in grenade like things. Um, <laughs> I we always talked about me and the nurse talked about a um like a t shirt shooter and a voices of hope t shirt with Narcan wrapped in the middle and just like shoot it out at the people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah I, we always talked about that. Um, and now voices of hope has um a huge part of harm reduction here in Cecil County is um the wound care nurse and that's I work with him um on a day to day basis and uh the wounds and the and the it's not. It's unlike something places like Cecil County has ever seen. Hospitals don't know how to treat these wounds. Um, we don't know how to treat these wounds. We had to do a lot of investigating. So it's just a lot of like keeping up to date on like what's happening. The drug world is changing so much. Imagine if your walks had people in purple and white camouflage, right? Suits. And they had their little... M16 like Narcan dart launchers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and look, we could we could make it like they could be slow shooting, right? So it could be like dodgeball. So anybody you you know <laughs> if the person's high or not, because they'll move out of the way. Right. right. And if they're high, Have they you won't. seen people high, they're not moving. They're and, usually well, they're the doing ones the that need it. <laughs> they're the ones that need the Narcan, so they'll get hit. That's perfect. Like yeah. you won't have any collateral damage of innocent bystanders getting yeah. hit. Uh, I mean, I just feel like so many more people would volunteer for that job if that was the case. They'd be like, yeah, I want to march through. <laughs> Shoot people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't work. It might. I'm telling you. I'm on to something here. <laughs> we just make it fun. So, like, I am that, like, 
I've told people, like, what if we get a t-shirt shooter, like, all the time in the homeless camps? So, uh, me and, me and Jason is the nurse, and we just go out and, um, show people that, like, there is hope, and, like, I can also share with them, like, hey, I was a sex worker, I get it, I was homeless, um, I get it, and I started volunteering, and, like, um, recovery became fun. So, uh, and part of this stigma of not i don't want to say not wanting to get help or clean or or in recovery i think there's this piece though of once you become alienated by the addiction you just assume that you'll never be accepted by the world again and so it's great that there's people going into these places and giving them compassion and empathy and treating them like a human being right but i still would bet that there's still a piece of, well, had she not been here, she still wouldn't accept me. So it's not like if I get in recovery and go out in the real world, I'll be accepted. Imagine how much more powerful it would, it would be. And I'm not trying to take away from what you do, but like if just, you know, Mary Jane, who's a fucking bank teller who has never messed with drugs and has no affiliation with it, was able to go and treat them, you know, or treat anyone like a human. Like, I just feel like that would be so powerful to break Absolutely. that stigma. It's just above people's um mind span sometimes um and you just don't understand you know trying to tell my mom like you know heroin and methamphetamine like put a gun to my head and said like i'm gonna steal that christmas money (laughs) um you know it was or you know that my kids were in the way and like i couldn't take care of them Mm. because i couldn't get high that came first but today it's totally different like um my kids my recovery all those things come first you just don't think in that moment you can get out hmm. does mom know about the johns and the oh, yeah. gonorrhea oh yeah oh, okay so we don't have to cut that out let's <laughs> <laughs> make sure um you know thinking myself about this this five times more likely to get into treatment or seek treatment if you are part of a harm reduction community that makes a lot of sense to me because as a guy who was getting high, I was also a guy who was like terrified and paralyzed by the idea of interacting with the world. I would have never, ever, ever in a million years called for fucking treatment and tried to get in myself. Like the only ways I got to treatment was because mom, I was like, mom, I need to get in treatment. You need to make phone calls. Like I am not doing that. That's right. for sure. <laughs> and thankfully I had somebody that was so desperate. They were willing to do the work, but I, I feel like, by having the harm reduction, you are that person, right? You, They can come here anytime and, and ask for help, and that's exactly what the services here will provide. But you're making that connection where they have that resource for all the people whose situations have led to not having mom willing to do that anymore, right? Yeah. And that's that's incredible. So it's not a shock to me that people are willing to, to seek treatment more often. Yeah, there have been times in homeless communities in um, out in – you know, regular homes in the um, wound care calls that we go out to that people, you know, we know that they're at that point of like desperation. And um, we literally say, get in the car. If you want to do this, let's get in the car right now and we'll take you and we'll figure this out. We'll get you in somewhere today. If not, you, if we can't, you know, you will find something. We're not going to let you go and we're going to put in as much effort as you do. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. 
you know, and we'll make all those phone calls. <laughs> we will make all the phone yeah, calls. So. I know. Well, there's a a part two there. I know, at least for me, when I was using, like, I felt like I had to defend my using to everyone around me and justify mm. and rationalize it to my family, to my friends, to other people. Well, my friends that were not using like me, and you had I think you get in that defensive place where you feel like you got to justify what you're doing, and you know I believe when you get into a harm reduction program, it sort of takes some of that away. Like you don't need to defend what you're doing; you're doing what you're doing, and that's fine. We whatever. We're not trying to here to pass judgment, and it gives you a minute to sort of assess that a little better. You know, right. like assess where you're at, and maybe possibly be a little more honest about you know the help that you need or that you don't really like the way that you're living. I mean, if I spend all my time convincing you that I'm completely fine the way that I'm using, you know, I don't have to look at how I'm actually living <laughs> or what I'm doing. Right. And I mean, that's a, a, a strong psychological concept, this idea of like balance or homeostasis or regression to the mean, like all these tie in. If you come in a far left place of, you know, what the fuck, Billy, this is terrible for your life. The natural reaction is for Billy to go far right to create the balance, right? To create that median point and that mean between them. So when we stop pushing people of what they have to do, there's much more space for them to meet you in that same middle ground. They don't have to automatically go the opposite, you know, extreme. Yeah. And so I, I think through harm reduction, that's what's happening is like you're meeting people where they are and just letting them know, hey, you don't need to justify or rationalize anything. You do what you need to do. You're a human being. You deserve love and, you know, you deserve to be treated like a normal person. Uh, whether you're making good decisions or bad decisions is up to you to figure out you know, and help them sort of have access to things when they're ready. You know, that's beautiful. Yeah, that's completely harm reduction summed up from <laughs> right. what both of you said. It makes it so it's a beautiful process when you see someone go through that process you know i don't think these statistics are out there but and i don't know how the hell they would measure this but i bet if they could find a way to measure i hate to call it the success rate but maybe the length of time before any sort of relapse between someone who's never encountered harm reduction and somebody who has i would bet people who have encountered harm reduction in their community stay longer even if it's just for a little longer because if you think about it, like when I walked into my first, you know, recovery environment, I didn't fucking know anybody. It was scary. It was weird. And and luckily, I kind of got a little, well, actually not the first time, but eventually I got plugged in a little bit. But I feel like if you have been interacting with the recovery community through harm reduction methods, you kind of come into recovery a little plugged in. Like, you know, some people, you're a little comfy. You're like, oh, hey, I've seen you a few times. Yeah. You came and helped out. And, and maybe even damn, can I get involved in that too? Because I'd like to give back and, and go check on people. And, and now I've got a little sense of purpose and of doing something positive. I, I don't know. I just feel like that would really benefit somebody early on. Well, that's pretty much your story, right? I mean, yeah, you got yeah, involved totally. with harm reduction and then got into recovery and now you're doing this kind of work. So. Yeah. Yeah. So some people that, you know, I work with people um, as coworkers, as bosses who like help get me into treatment. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. And I bet when you go back out there, you see people I've used with. Yeah. So, but that, that, you know, us as harm reductionists, um, 
are able to share that hope. Like they know these people know in our community because it's our community. This is where most of us have used. So I go on an outreach in the manor or something and uh, see people I used with. And they're like, most of them don't recognize me at first. Um, Some of them, that's a good thing. Some of them, you know, I'm like, hey. And uh, they're like, holy shit. Like I thought you died. Right. Like most of the time they think you're dead and, you know, um, just to be consistent in the community, um, I've been able to get some people that I've used with into treatment. Hmm. Yeah. It's not a shock. I mean, it, it was one of those thoughts I had early on in my recovery was, oh, that works for you, but it could never work for somebody as yeah. sick as me. <laughs> But to see, I mean, and no offense with this, but to see somebody who you saw sick as you on the street, <laughs> right. like, you're like, oh, the same shit, predicament, right? it worked for them? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Maybe there is something that could work for me. That's wild. Yeah. yeah. This episode has been brought to you in part by Voices of Hope, Inc., a nonprofit recovery organization made up of people in recovery, family members, and allies. Together... Members strive to protect the dignity of those that use drugs and those in recovery by advocating for treatment, harm reduction and support resources, and mentoring. Please visit us at www.voicesofhopemaryland.org and consider donating to our calls. So was there anything, I mean, is there any like thing that you can point out, like what helped you make the transition from actively using to wanting recovery or did you always want recovery or? Um, I was okay for a while, you know, on the streets, it becomes so normal, right? People are doing exactly what you guys were talking about. Just push me, stop using drugs. Like it's so simple. Um, so pushing me to do that, I justified the way I was living. Like this is, you know, how I want to live almost. Um, so then it became normal. So I didn't know it was, you know, it was a horrible way to live. Um, I knew I didn't like it. It wasn't comfortable. Um, but I, I defended it so much that, you know, it was easy. And then everyone um, around you is living that way too. Right. So, you so know, everyone, right. <laughs> and, um, exactly. So, uh, oh God, I totally forgot the question. Oh, so was there something <laughs> for you that, yeah, sorry, I interrupted you and threw you off. Uh, was there something for you that triggered the transition from active use into people treating me human that was the biggest Hmm. thing the people treating me human um seeing other women um that we think you know we're broken once we're a prostitute Mm. am i allowed to say prostitute okay whatever you want um in harm reduction we say sex worker Uh, (laughs) um yeah (laughs) um is that i mean that's probably nicer right I mean, to me, it's all the same. I was selling my body. It didn't matter if it was on back page or on the corner. Um, it didn't feel good either way, you know? Um, so I think when people came out into the community, which is where I met Voices of Hope Harm Reduction team, um, they were like talking to me. That's it. That's the end. They were just talking to me. And I was like, what? Like, what do you want from me? Everything's a transaction. (laughs) Um, It doesn't matter. Everything's a transaction. You want something or you know something. Um, And they did. They knew how to live without drugs. It was crazy. Um, And it all didn't look the same. So I know, like, um, I've listened 
um, to your guys' show before and like talking about like it doesn't always have to look like a 12 step program. Um, and you know, as a harm reductionist, I do work a 12 step program, however, I support all of the things. Um, we have like smart recovery and um, maintenance and all those things that we, anything you can think of, it can be a pathway to recovery. It can support your recovery. So people are afraid to just stop using drugs and they want to get on maintenance or I myself was on maintenance. Um, so yeah, I think back to the original question, you know, <laughs> um, just being talk to like a human made me able to get connected with other humans and feel human again yeah so it's important in those interactions then that uh you don't go out and be like here's a couple needles needles call us when you're ready for recovery like that's not <laughs> yeah we're like hey how you doing you know they um the people in our communities that that are using um in and outside of homes because it's not only by far not only the homeless um, community that's using we're like hey how's your kids or like we give them a container because um, their kids will get into it or you know how's your dog you know anything um, we talk to them about yeah you know you mentioned this this internet site back page which is i guess where sex workers go to like advertise for their stuff and i think that is absolutely terrible and you should definitely tell us where it's at so that i don't go there no, I'm just they shut it down i'm just kidding uh, no but going back to this idea of, of prostitution versus sex work that's interesting because I, I really do try to focus on inclusive language and, and i imagine prostitute is much more of a a labeling judgmental type word at this point you know, maybe that's not where it started. It was just a descriptive thing, but I, I do think it has a negative, uh, you know, feeling to it. So maybe, maybe we do want to avoid that. Maybe we should go with sex workers or yeah. persons who also work in the sex trade for, I don't know, something inclusive, yeah. something nice. So yeah. no, yeah, let's not use prostitution. <laughs> I'm with that. Um, what could be more beneficial that we don't have? What do you see when you're going out there that you're like, man, if only we could do this thing, maybe it's illegal, maybe it's not acceptable, whatever, this would really step, step it up a notch. I don't know. What about free drugs? <laughs> I mean, okay. <laughs> Better. And, and if you really look at that statement as a harm reductionist, um, the free drugs, if we had them... We would know what's in them. Yes. Um, they don't. And their arms are just decaying. Mm -hmm. and, and those things. I think um, I was going to say housing. Um, however, we do have that now. Mm -hmm. um, we have resources for that. So the only thing is just helping people hope. <laughs> right. Well, we have, we have housing for people on their way into recovery, right? We don't have housing for like people using, do we? No, we don't. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. And, and going back to the idea that Billy was presenting, you know, of harm reduction methods in other areas, talking about alcohol. You're right. No, Nobody says a designated driver is a terrible idea. Nobody says, oh, enabling. my God, you're such a <laughs> sissy for having a designated right. driver. You should just suck it up and drive home like a man or something right. like that's, you know, that's a crazy idea. But, you know, yes, alcohol labels. 
food labels. We might not think of them this way, but these are harm reduction methods. Absolutely. If we didn't have food labels, you don't know when that shit expired or if it was created in a lab uh, that, you know, didn't also chop up mice next to it or whatever. Like, you, you know what I mean? Like there's labels because it's monitored, it's restricted, it's governed. Same with alcohol. And, and I think, you know, David poses, uh, when he was on our show was talking about that idea. Like if you bought a bottle of wine and you couldn't get it at that liquor store and you got it from, you know, Timmy, uh, in, in the hood, <laughs> right. And you pour a glass and you don't know if it's the same potency or the same alcohol content as it was last week or, or, or is the same alcohol content that you got from Billy, you know, last month, you don't know what the fuck you're drinking. It could right. be grain alcohol and you're drinking three glasses of it before you even know. And, and then you're dead. And yes, why aren't we having drugs with labels on them? Why don't we? you know, modify this program so that people do know what's in what they're using it. And maybe that's why some people go with the, the doctor prescribed pills because it's like a, a somewhat harm reduction version. They know where they were produced, what's in them, how many milligrams or whatever until you have pressed pills. I was yeah. just thinking that say, now it's Yeah. Now it's gotten even worse with these it's, illegal yeah. or not illegal, but these counterfeit pills that are, you know, coming yeah. out of different places. Lace with fentanyl. <laughs> yeah. And we do have, like, um, another harm reduction tip. We have, like, um, fentanyl test strips. Um, it will only tell you if there's fentanyl present. It will not tell you if there's other things. But, you know, it changes so much every time we come out with something. A tip, something they can use to be safer. It's something completely different. How much of your drugs do you have to, quote, unquote, waste to get it tested? None. So it's it's really what the the residue is. You could take one drop yeah. of water and put it on there. You can take um residue. We we do also um we send out so the wound care nurse um is able to send out um like samples, not he gets empty bags and wipes this thing on them and uh sends them out and they're we're involved in a program and uh they test it and there and it comes back it doesn't say percentages um but heroin has not been found in wow. Cecil County at all Jesus yeah wow. um it's fentanyl and um xylazine which is what's causing the wounds wow yeah so you know we've talked about this mostly from a, a humanitarian perspective uh and maybe earlier on before people got bored with that idea who aren't into harm reduction we should talk about money like this saves everybody money, right? If you if you have a way to label drugs, you prevent wounds, mm -hmm. right? If you have clean needles, you prevent wounds. This prevents hospital trips. And uh, let me, most people on, you know, substance abuse regimens don't have insurance. So that's tax money that's paying for unpaid medical bills, unpaid ambulance trips, overdoses because we don't have a safe use site for people to be watched and saved and monitored like all these mounting expenses uh the the war on drugs the crime the keeping people in prison the judges the courts i, I feel like and this is where i come from with the free drugs if you just gave everybody the drugs they wanted to use all that other shit stops all yeah, and I mean, that's part of why they started to make things like moonshine illegal. Like, that's exactly the reasoning is because when you start 
making stuff in somebody's backyard or, you know, manufacturing this stuff unregulated, it becomes dangerous and it's, you know, can become toxic. And it's the same with drugs. And, you know, it's like we keep looking the overdose death rates just keep going higher and higher every year. I think last year was 90 something thousand, pretty close to 100,000. Probably this year will be 100,000. You know, we've had six this month. Yeah, so six, in a small community, yes. small rural community. Yes. And it's the, you know, obviously we've talked about this before, but the war on drugs is a failure trying to tell people they need to stop and then it's not safe. And that stuff hasn't worked. You know, we've talked about different reasons why people use drugs. It's trauma, it's social issues, you know, all those things. But at some point you just have to, well, I don't think you have to because we obviously in this county, it was a fight to get harm reduction, you know, in place. And at times it's still a fight to keep it or try to up, you know, ramp it up <laughs> because it, in most communities, it can always be more, more money, more <laughs> supplied, more things, you know, can be useful. But uh, when do we look at the failure of the war on drugs and start saying people are going to use drugs and what things can we do to try to make our communities as a whole? This, I mean, one, it does help the addicts, but it also helps the community as a whole when we implement these things and put them in place. It gets people better access to treatment. It, it hopefully cleans up communities. You know, it reduces transmission of diseases. I mean, it seems like a no-brainer, but we get so stuck on these moral or ethical, like, what's well, using and it's bad and it's wrong that we're willing to, like, dismiss all the benefit. Yeah. Borrowing a little from uh, Gabor Mate here, there's only two things that war always includes, and that's violence and collateral damage. And, and that's basically we've, what we've created. We've created a defenseless population, and, you know, unfortunately, and not, I don't think this is, is by the people's, you know, the members of the police force are not necessarily bad people, and that's not where they're coming from, but when this is when you keep interacting with a failed system over and over again, there's frustration that builds up and they have like carte blanche to do whatever the fuck they want physically to people who are a defenseless population. And so you've created this really, really unequal dynamic and then the collateral damage of everybody else around. And you're like, ah, fuck it. If all these husbands get gonorrhea, we just don't want to give out condoms or fuck it. If aid spreads in the community because people's, you know, partners are out there using and they're unaware of it. That's just, oh, well, that's part of the war. We, and it's crazy. Yeah. And we, I mean, even we saw with AIDS, like that was a tragedy the way those things were handled in the 80s. But if you look at, you know, the a lot of the stigma, not all, but a lot of the stigma around that's been turned around. We now have some treatment methods for it. And, and it's like it's done almost a 180 to where you don't have thousands of people dying of aids you know all the time it's treatable <laughs> like, right. and it's because people change their minds and stop moralizing like this is a homosexual disease mm. that affects homosexuals and drug addicts and it was treated like a general health problem and it was handled with you know health uh assessment you know risks and and figuring out how do we best treat it and it's worked like it shows that those things work <laughs> AIDS is all for the sinners who like that anal sex. <laughs> Dirty people. Charlatans. Well, and I tend to think, even with police, and I know this is a little selective, but in general, if as a community we stopped 
uh, having laws uh, around using and active use, you know, possession, things like that. If those weren't laws, the police wouldn't be enforcing them. I mean, they enforce the laws that are in effect. So if you change the laws, which is which the point of that is, it's not necessarily the police officer's fault. He's got a job. He gets a paycheck to go out and do a job. And his job is if you got drugs, you get arrested. You know, And so that's what he's going to do. But if you get that off of the books as that's not the law anymore as a community, if we can change that way of thinking – you know, then we don't have to worry about him harassing people that are using drugs. You know, yeah. I am still trying to figure out who is against free drugs and why <laughs> I really am. Like, I'm telling you, you create a, a I say a warehouse, but maybe it's a, a community or a township with little, you know, cabins for people to stay in. Everybody that wants drugs goes there and you have to use them while you're there. Right. Crime basically stops. Immediately, because nobody has to do anything to get money for drugs anymore. And everybody who's like, well, that's a terrible idea. You're giving out free drugs. They're the same people that really don't want drug addicts or homeless people in their community. Well, they all go the fuck away when you create this place. <laughs> they're all gone. They don't stay in your neighborhood anymore. So they're out of your sight. I don't know. That feels like a whole nother debate. But <laughs> does it? <laughs> yeah. Well, so I'll first come for <laughs> I'll pinpoint and we'll get away. Free drugs, nothing's ever free. Somebody's paying for that shit, whether it's my tax dollars, your tax dollars, whatever. Somebody's paying for those drugs. Secondly, not all drug addicts are criminals. You know what I mean? When I was an active user, I wasn't robbing or stealing or any of that. I mean, I stole maybe from my family and things like that, but I was not an, a user that harmed the community in that sort of sense and vice versa. I knew plenty of people that robbed and stole and shit just because they didn't want to have fucking jobs. So crime will still happen it might be reduced but it's still going to happen because people are going to take because they can no way. and <laughs> and then you know a lot of our homeless population also struggles with like mental health issues and things like that like the reason they're homeless isn't because they're addicts there's plenty of using addicts that can maintain a house and i was never a homeless person um i think the idea of homelessness comes more out of like Mental health and an inability to manage this complex system that we have right now for paying rent and mortgage and bills and utilities and maintaining a job and all that bullshit. So, okay. anyway. So, no, 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 no. I want, just a little bit. So, okay. <laughs> yes. Who's paying for it, right? I get that. But with all the reduced money that doesn't have to go into to prisons, to policing, to all the things that come out of what goes on with drugs now, well, then... Okay, taxes get reduced because we save money. We we know harm reductions methods save money. Like that's the goal. And so this one saves money, taxes come down. So everybody's happy about that. Like, yeah, less money out of my pocket. That's great. I don't know about these criminals that just rob and steal because they don't want a job. Like maybe I'm not saying they don't exist. I just I feel like what, ten percent of the crime is that, maybe? And the, and the same with the homeless yeah, I population. Know. I, that how I many know. how many of the homeless population aren't using something? I don't know many. But Jerry, a lot of that, there. I think, yeah, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the, the using goes along with the mental illness. Like, that's a lot of people that are struggling with mental illness. That's their way of trying to regulate yeah. their mental health issues. You know, it's not necessarily they're in chaotic use out of some sort of choice. It's like they feel like that's a way to regulate 
their mental health. I would argue, but it's a bad way. It does not work. (laughs) If you have mental health issues, trying to you know use street drugs is not. But for them, it is because it solves some, you know, alleviates angst and anxiety and the voices in your head shit. But it's not a good way to manage. (laughs) No, it's it's not. But I I would argue that that's everybody that's ever used drugs. We're all trying to self medicate to something. And it's some kind of mental health, mental unease, mental not going Yeah, well. but someone handing me free drugs was not the solution that I needed in my case. You know what I mean? Same. I don't think that would have made <laughs> me better if someone just gave me free drugs. No. Well, this is that's why this is harm reduction. It's not necessarily going to make you better. It's going to reduce the harms involved with you going that route until you're done. What reduce harms? I mean, I guess as a whatever free market guy i'm more like oh well just make it like alcohol and people can buy it and shit and make it reasonably priced and regulate it then we still need to but then we can take it. all the money from the courts and all that stuff and focus them on treatment job training social programs fixing up poor communities like that money could be spent way better fixing up you know, some of our impoverished communities. Go into these communities and put in community centers, family outreach programs, social workers, <laughs> you know. Like, we could really do a lot for the community as a whole versus just helping the addict themselves. Well, yeah, but if we regulate and charge, you don't completely reduce the crime the way I hope to by making it free because people still need to find some kind of money for it, just like you had to find money for cigarettes or money for alcohol or whatever. You've got to do something to get that. And some of that might be illegal. And then two, you keep it in the general population, which gives access to people buying it for minors and it gets distributing in high schools. Like it, we eliminate that if it's, you can only use it at this location. Oh, they got to use it there. Yeah. As much as you can find. Now we're getting into logistics of this situation. (laughs) As much as you want. Unlimited supply. Unlimited to your heart's content. Where explodes. But it's definitely, those ideas are fun to talk about. But it's definitely, those are moves, I think, in the right direction. You know what I mean? The idea of decriminalization, first of all, seems like a no-brainer. You know what I mean? That seems, and then, you know, regulation, distribution. I mean, if you go back way before the war on drugs, people used to be able to go get, uh, wasn't heroin, what the hell is the name? Can't think of the name of that drug. But you used to be able to just go to your doctor, and they would just prescribe it to you as a medication. morphine? Morphine. Yeah, you used to be able to just go. Go get morphine. You could go buy it at the pharmacy over the counter, you know, and they didn't moralize people like they do now. And so if you were and you would go get your morphine and you would take it and you would go to work or go live your life. And, you know, they didn't seem to have all these terrible things that were happening with people when morphine was just easily and readily available. (laughs) Well, and say say it's legal, say it's legal. It's somewhere you can go get it. There's no lifestyle portion of it because i feel like that's part of what people talk about when they get in recovery i hear that a lot like i i don't miss the drugs as much as i miss the lifestyle right the ripping and the running and the copping and and like all the rituals around it if if we eliminate all that that's one less barrier to recovery like you don't have to miss any of that because that didn't exist you just kind of sat in your bed and got high every day because they gave you the drugs and there wasn't all that copping and scoring and getting in touch with the right dealer that was actually five minutes away not you know three hours <laughs> yeah. even though they text you five minutes and all that shit i don't know yeah fuck it 
That's where I'm going. Well, if you're trying to get someone out of chaotic use and into a managed use, that's definitely a step in the right direction. Yeah. Well, and when you talk about the pushback, right, it's we're no longer saying what you're doing is bad so they don't have to go to the far end of the spectrum. We're just giving it. Well, well, now I have the time and the openness. I don't have to spend 22 hours of my day trying to find ways and means to get more. I have time to sit here and be like, damn, what the fuck am I doing with my life? Right. All right. Yeah, I got all the drugs I want. I got that now and that didn't solve it. So now what? It's almost like you give people what they think is the solution so that they have the time to realize it's not and then evaluate, well, what the fuck could be? If this isn't like I thought this was the answer and now they fucking gave it to me and now it's not shit. Now I got to go back to the drawing board. Right. I feel like we don't have that option right now because we're so busy spending time getting the next one. Well, and again, I know this we'll talk more about this later, but I doesn't I guess that's sort of the idea behind medicated assisted treatment is that you're getting people into a managed use setting. And I don't know all the I've never been involved in a medicaid assisted treatment program myself, so I don't know much about. I know what I know when I was using, which was I had some friends that went and did it, and you had to report to a place at a time and fucking do drug tests, and I wasn't about any of that. I was like, fuck that. I'm just going to keep using when I want. (laughs) Yeah. So where do we go from here? I mean, we give out needles, cottons, waters. Cookers. Cookers, clean wipes. You guys giving out crack pipes yet? No. Why not? There there has been a recent uptick in crack use. So if we find a need, we will fill it. So we had talked about this, Jason and I, just a little bit before. What What is the need for, like, crack pipe exchange? I don't know what you would call it. <laughs> like, what's the danger? Of, I don't know what the danger is in crack pipes that people would need like like is there a danger sharing them or yeah sharing them or i mean they break Mm. they break you put the lighter on them too long and they break um you can get burns from them um and yeah i'm sure you know you can get spread tb that way you can um covid i'm sure yeah oh yeah clean crack pipes yeah Yeah, (laughs) that's what i I found that funny i was just like oh i mean i know to I've smoked crack. I didn't know the danger of crack pipes. <laughs> yeah. That should have been their slogan when they came out with the free crack pipe program. It should have been like, drop the mask, pick up the crack pipes. <laughs> <laughs> the clean crack pipes, of course. That would have been great. I feel like we all would have been happier during COVID. <laughs> <laughs> We're stuck at home, but we got crack pipes. <laughs> uh, so is that, and that's what's in the bag? All those things? I'm like so we jealous. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, so... <laughs> It uh, gives you opportunity to use new everything that's in that process of injection use. Um, we also have some systolic, I can't say the word, acid stuff that we can get sometimes. Um, meth is huge here, so um, that'll help break that down. Um, whatever there's a need for, but yeah, our basic bag has 10 cottons, 10 cookers, 10 syringes, um, we give you a box, a sharps container um, that holds 20 syringes. So, yeah. And that's one of the benefits I would think of the community outreach is that you get to see what's actually going on in the community sort of in real time. Um, I know recently there's been different uh, whatever things they cut the drugs with that have caused all sorts of different health infections and skin problems and and all sorts of issues that 
you know, just someone coming in and exchanging some needles you might not know about. But when you're doing outreach and talking to people and they're bringing up some of their health issues, you can see in real time what's actually in the community. What is the acid for? Why does it what does it break down the meth for? It'll break it down. I don't know. I I'm like, uh, oh, just um, make up something that sounds lemon really juice. good. <laughs> we use lemon juice back in the day to like, so it becomes injectable. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes it doesn't um, liquefy oh. well enough or fast enough for my liking. Oh. So you I put that you. on it and it's really So it quick. helps it break down for injection. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I remember the old trick with the crack. You used to put like vinegar on it. Lemon juice, vinegar. Apple cider vinegar. Yeah. Had a nice little aftertaste. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All yeah. right. So, I, I mean, is there any final thoughts? What would you say to the people who just cannot right now get on board with harm reduction? Like, how would you put it in a way that maybe they would feel a little different about it or have something to think about? I don't know. I want to say things like they're in denial and your and your basic things. Um, everyone is affected. I don't know anybody that's not affected by this in one form or another. You don't have to be a drug addict to have sex with a random person. You don't. You know, it's just um, if you listen to the reasons why, where you're in the community. Um, we're in the community and this community has a need for harm reduction. Right. Yeah. Right. And I, I mean, for me, I guess the society can only be as, you know, good as its weakest members kind of thing. And if we help to build up our communities in the bottom, it shures up, you know, the rest of the community. I mean, it, again, if like you had talked about, if we can start reducing crime and reducing stigma and, and treating people reducing community spread diseases like that benefits everybody not just the people in the active use community but our healthcare system the cost on the healthcare system like there's so many practical uh, reasons why it's a good idea yeah i'm uh listening to the book in the realm of hungry ghosts right now and, and you know gabor mate frames the idea that we don't want to see people as human because to acknowledge that acknowledges the pieces of us and the ways we escape in our daily life are reflected in that you know dark mirror of addiction and uh it's an interesting concept I, i'm sure not everybody's going to buy in just by me saying that but I, I think that's an excellent book to read up on to humanize people who are struggling with the use of substances so Check that out, Jara. Thank you so much for coming. I did think I, I did want to make one other minor comment in closing because this is one of those things you hear a lot, and we forgot to bring it up. So, handing out free needles has never uh, encouraged anyone to shoot heroin. <laughs> like, no one ever went out and go, "Hey, I found this needle. I think I'm going to go shoot some coke or shoot some heroin." Like, giving out free supplies is really not going to cause people to use drugs. I don't That's know. I was just telling my 70-year-old mom about that she could get free needles up here, and she said she was going to move up here and start using heroin now out of nowhere. <laughs> it's crazy. No, I'm just Good kidding. luck finding it. Yeah, yeah that, would, that would never happen. Yeah, nobody's, nobody's going to pick up because of harm reduction methods. That's not really a thing. You don't know anybody. Ask yourself. You really don't know anybody of right. your community, your friends, your family that is going to all of a sudden decide they want to be a meth user. 
Right. Or if someone deals. handed you one of these bags of, you know, free stuff, would you then all be like, yes, I'm going to go shoot heroin and be a sex worker? And I like, mean, I would just. That's some tomorrow. I would cancel all my therapy appointments <laughs> as soon as they handed me that bag and just be like, oh, my God, who am I fucking getting high with? Like, that's that's what's up. All right. Anyway, go out there, support harm reduction. Hopefully, uh, if you hate harm reduction, reach out to us. Tell us why. We'd love to talk about that more and, and you know, hear your reasons why. And we'll see you next week. Did you like this episode? Share it with people you think might get something out of it. Check out the rest of our episodes at recoverysortof.com. Also, while you're there, you can find ways to link up with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, YouTube, anything. We're always looking for new ideas. Got an idea you want us to look into? Reach out to us.